streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com. It's a wonderful, wonderful holiday for our friends in the Jewish community, the Passover. The great link between the blood that was put above the lamppost, the blood of the Lamb, is Jesus Christ is known as the Lamb of God. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the New West. You know. More. This recording is dope. That one, you like how we kicked that one off? You like that cute? I'm really glad that uh, he was there to explain pace hop. I know. <laughs> did you have a season pace hop? I did. I have Mine. Good afternoon, everybody. Got your yarmulke on? Good man. Look at that. I could just feel it getting very dewy in here. So, hey, welcome chewy. To the- <laughs> I am Tony T. Of course, I am joined by our other resident, sometime Joe, because we've got him as on the door. He is Gramps Master Flash. The master, the man Thank who ensures that our group is satin smooth. Los. I would have brought my clip on Payas if I knew that uh, you were going to be so well, from on the show no today. Talus? You have no talus yeah? today? I, I, I do have a. You have talus. clothes of different threads. You shall be taken out. Hey, you, my brother George, shall be taken to the edge of town. All cotton today. Really? Everything is cotton. Everything is Everything cotton. Is cotton. I don't want to the edge of town and Everything is cotton. Head. I had the tags. On the other hand, my rabbi, Rabbi O'Malley, the part time pork distributor, said it was okay for me to have bacon and eggs. It's kosher. It's kosher bacon, right? It's beautiful. It's kosher bacon. It's very great stuff. I've got my my uh, my. They unclove the hooves special. Well done. <laughs> yes. Of course, every group don centers around an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in and downloading here in America and around the world, y'all. Tell you, uh, Kasich, I think boy, that, uh, what is it, Buckeye Boy better not run into any of my JWA posse. You know what I'm talking about? Because when I wrote down, it's like, they're going to, he calls it the Passover. I said, they will shove that the so far up his tuchus that he'll have spilkets in his connecticazoid for a month. <laughs> so, yeah, you, I wrote down, uh, you've heard about the, uh, what is it, uh, NWA got uh, inducted in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, okay? But I don't know if you heard about my Brooklyn culture crew, JWA, that's right, Jews with Attitude. Yo, shit is straight dope. Check it out, here you go, you ready? This is how it's, straight out of Borough Park is a chassid who will smother your mother and make the cantor think I love her. He's a dangerous Lubavitch, raises hell. And if I, if he ever gets caught, yo, of course I'm going to make bail. <laughs> All right. See, I don't give a fuck. That's the problem. I see a motherfucking goy. I don't dodge him, but I'm smart. I lay low. I dove in a while. And when I see a Gentile pass, I smile. To me, it's kind of funny. The attitude showing a funda Muslim driving, but don't know where the fuck he's going. They're just rolling. Looking for the one they call slow-mo. But here's a flash. I'm a jewel, y'all. No, there you go. Jews with attitude, baby. Happy Pesach to everybody out there. I wrote down it. Trump's logic is harder to find than the Afi Komen at Miralago. So there you Oi. go. Oi! Oi! Got Voltachin. So a bunch of stuff happened this week. Lots of stuff to get to. Obviously, Prince died. Oh, well, that's the way that goes. So, you know, a bit ahead of his time. 57. I'm, 50, I think I, I might beat that. Verse. Yeah, 50. Right. Good guy. Good guy. We like his music. I actually met him. Met him in the summer of 89 uh, at a club called First Avenue in uh, Minneapolis. I was there first whatever reason I happen to be in that area of the country at the time. But uh, there was a party because his song uh, was uh, in the movie Batman. So they had a big party for the premiere of the movie Batman. And he 
was at this party for the premiere of the song. And I, of course, had, you know, when I got to Minnesota, I immediately found the one club that was worth going to, which is First Avenue, introduced myself to the DJ, and got invited, you know, said, this is who I am, this is what I used to do, and we ended up, you know, he was like, oh, wow, you're my kind of guy. Great. I ended up booking up, and I got invited to the stage, so I got to meet him there. The the death, uh, the, the music, I'll tell you the other thing was, Thursday into Friday, MSM, you know, this was such a big thing that they brought in Brian Williams, MSNBC, for like wall-to-wall nonstop coverage of, uh, you know, of Prince's, of Prince's death. And I wrote down, well, say what you will, Prince gave us one last gift, okay, a brief silver lining of not having to hear about Trump for an entire day. A good day, yeah, yeah. I think maybe so, you know, six hours. Any way we can nice get him surprise. to die over and over sure. again? <clears throat> or someone else, you know. Like we were offering up the Kardashians, you saw those memes floating. Oh out. no, I, I haven't seen them yet, but I'm all. Which for is it. a nice tie-in because that's my favorite of the videos that people posted. Is the time he kicked Kim Kardashian off the stage. <laughs> get off the stage! Yeah. <laughs> right, it's right out of Blazing Saddles. Are you in show business? No, then get your fucking feet off the stage. <laughs> but um, a major, uh, for me anyway, uh, Lonnie Mack uh, passed away at the age of 74, and I'm going to have a whole lot to say about that later on, plus a whole bunch. Of Lonnie Mac tunes during the drive group, without which, without Lonnie Mac, there is no drive group. There are no shredders. There are no shredders. In July 1980, the editors of Guitar World magazine ranked 1963's his version of uh, Memphis, which is a uh, the Chuck Berry song, the original Chuck Berry song. They named that the premier landmark rock guitar recording to date, and that is they put that immediately ahead of the full albums. Featuring blues rock guitarists Mike Bloomfield, Elvin Bishop, Jimi Hendrix, and Eric Clapton. That's how important Lonnie Mac is to rock and roll. If you like rock and roll, then Lonnie Mac is supremely, was supremely important. He was called the Guitar Hero's Guitar Hero. Okay, and I've got all kinds of stuff to talk about that, the time that I met him and, and the show that I went to for him. Plus, what else we got? Well, we also got Missouri politicians won a list of all women who got abortions in the state. Uh, last week, I talked about Reed Ribble uh, taking a powder from Congress after six years. But it turns out he's not as much of a douchebag as I thought. And there's an X-rated porn site that has now just said, no porn for you, to the entire state of North Carolina. So that's what happens. You get rid of LGBT. Yeah. So now that's what's really going to turn it back. Because if they can't get their, their porn at home for the hypocrisy... I, I'm sure they'll find another porn site. You know? I'll, I'll go to North Carolina. I'll show them how to find some. <laughs> show them how to, some show them how to dig right. up some porn sites. Right. Of course, all of that is going to be surrounded by two hours of the greatest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air, of course. Uh, I've also got some great Jew groups from, from some funky Israelis for Passover. So I've got that in the show. It's just past 2 o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Hollywood, Florida. Just past. What time? Just past 8 o'clock in the morning on the Big Island. Just past 7 o'clock in Western Europe. Y'all, you about ready to kick this puppy I'm off? Ready. I'm ready. All right, baby. Saddle up and stick around. Kick it off with some great shredding in honor of Lonnie Mack. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
similar you know people say same corporation different division all right we get along there's an obvious you know thing with the religion i went to my first passover dinner that's what she's like well, my mother's gonna have pass okay we'll go to the dinner 7 30 we sit down at her mother's house i'm starving right <laughs> starving they start passing out pamphlets like reading material I'm like, what's going on? What are we doing here? What's with the... She's like, no, we read for two hours. Two hours. I said, listen, I'm Italian. As soon as I sit at a table, I got to have bread within 15 seconds of sitting down. All right? I, I need something to do with my right hand. I need a... Some oil coming out? We got oil? I need oil. Now. Hungry. And they food, the food they start bringing out, oh, God, terrible, terrible food. 
Jews have no idea what the hell they're doing in the kitchen. These people have no cuisine. Celery, crackers, jam. I'm like, what is it? We're losing people. People are leaving. We need food. After breakfast, they fall apart, the juice. After a bagel, cream cheese, lox, where are they going? They got nothing. They have nothing. Has anybody ever said to you, we went to this Jewish restaurant last night? <laughs> the gefilte, amazing. <laughs> I respect the Jews, but let's just have the Italians cater to Passover meal. All right? Come on. I could read for a couple of hours with some meatballs on the table.
Casey and Sunshine Band, I Get Lifted. That's from their uh, second album, the self-titled Casey and the Sunshine Band. from uh, mid-70s sometime when they were huge. You know, I played that song like as the opening, you know, little track. And, and it's so good. And I said I had like four different versions. I figured what the hell, I'll play the original version because it's that good a song. For that, The Pirates, Sweet Love on My Mind. That is from Out of Their Skulls. Now, that is originally a Johnny Burnett song. I can't find the listing for that. Um on any of the it's not listed like okay. i've i've got the original album i've got the part the the you know my friend alon portnoy from the wasman the fuzz tones and the headless horseman he's the one that originally turned me on the pirates a bazillion years ago so i was like hey i can't find a listing for this song yet i have the song i know the song i know this song and he looked for he's like i can't find either he's like i've got a i've got a live version of it i said but this isn't live this is studio he's like well where'd you get it i was like i thought i got it from you you know, I call Mick Green the guitar on that. I call that Brutal Billy. It's not, it's not, it's not Hillbilly. It's Brutal Billy music. That is Brutal Billy, baby, from English guys. Uh, the great song, The Pirates. Fabulous album. Out of their skulls. Half live, half studio. For that MC Sham words of a freestyle from uh, Born to Be Wild. He is the uh, cousin of uh, Marley Marl, who is a you know, big time mixologist. Uh, in New York during the 80s. He's on the radio all the time. And his that, that guy's big song was The Bridge. The Bridge is over. The Bridge is over. We got the boot bop bop And that was his big hit song. That's like literally the first hip-hop feud. You know, they, these guys were involved. It was the uh, MC Sham was part of uh, the Juice Crew. And they were in a feud with like the BDP Posse, Boogie Down Productions and KRS-One. So KRS, you know, they would come out with something. KRS-One came out with the South Bronx, the South South Bronx. They were like, they were going back and forth. So that's the first big hip hop feud. Before that, Sebastian Maniscalco, the Passover meal. Well, you got no, I need oil. Where's my oil? I need oil. Never heard that guy before. You that, liked, was very, that was very funny. It's because of the, the gefilte. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny song. I thought that was hilarious. Before that, yeah, boy, Funky Jews getting it done from Tel Aviv. Funkenstein. That is Funky Mission uh, from their 2006 album, The Band. Those guys from Tel Aviv and kicking it off. This guy is, if you don't know who this guy is uh, and you're into guitar, go out and get it. Guy's name is Dirty Dave Osti, O-S-T-I. No, the song is called Play what the man can't say. He is an al- his uh, first album. It's basically his, f- his only full CD that I'm aware of. He may have another one out now, but the one that I was always aware of is called Voodoo Guitar. came out in 2010, and I swear to God, it is on Grooveyard Records. That's the name of the label, Grooveyard. Not the Graveyard, the Grooveyard. So any label that's Grooveyard, if, you, if your label is Grooveyard, I'm going to listen to some of your stuff. Okay, I'm just, I'm gonna give it. I'm giving it a shot. Yeah, guys, out of Market. L.A. He sounds, you know, when I when I first heard that, I thought it sounded a little bit like Jake Lee, Jake E. Lee. I played some of his stuff before. If you're a guitar person, you're into that kind of stuff. So, Dirty Dave Osti, play with the man can't say voodoo guitar. The entire CD sounds like that. It is kick ass, kick ass stuff. Of course, you know, I'm playing all that stuff because passing away. I've got some other great shredding coming up. Uh, later on in the show, lots of great uh, Lonnie Mac coming up. You know, I got a, I, you know, you get these updates, you know, for various concerts. Like you sign up and then they, they email you when a particular concert, your band is coming by. Right. Okay, so I got one for Funk Fest. Now, this is the thing. Funk Fest. It's got Snoop Dogg, New Edition, Dougie Fresh, LL Cool J, Drew Hill, and Master P. Now, 
Okay, <clears throat> Dougie Fresh and LL Cool J, I love both of them. They're great. Mm-hmm. They're fan- But are they funk? Nah. No, they're hip-hop. I, no, they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're hip-hop. Right. That's hip-hop. And to me, that's like the New Orleans Jazz Festival now. It's not a jazz festival. When you have The Who I, and Bruce Springsteen right. playing at the no, jazz festival, I, yeah, it's well, not a jazz festival. I, I saw Cyndi Lauper and Arcade Fire at Jazz, at jazz Fest. Yeah, <laughs> Arcade, right. Cindy Lauper and, and they were Arcade. Great. And they were great, by the way. They were great live. I'm like this yeah. person who does not think much of Arcade Fire. A lot well, of other people do. I think that uh, live music fan that you are, if you saw them live, really? that, that, they, that they you would change, change your mind. Because I, I went in there liking three of their songs, and I, and I was blown away. Really? They, okay. They filled the field with a fat sound. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're yeah. telling me that... Um, then I'm going to have to give you, them another I was, shot. I was very surprised. Okay. Yeah, okay. Far out. That's, you know, I will give Arcade Fire right. another shot. I will give them another chance. Right. I'll start looking for Point some. Being, uh, the, but jazz, they're not for they're jazz. They're not jazz. Fest, yeah. especially that, the, when, when I think about Jazz Fest, it's the, the old-timey, the normal Well, I also jazz, think about New Orleans like, jazz. Yeah, you know, that's John I, Cleary. That's the jazz and, that I will uh, uh, allow John myself and, to like. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I want to hear Groove Me done six different ways with a big horn section. That's what I want to hear. I've got, I've got, I don't know how many different versions of the song mm-hmm. Groove Me I have. At least five. By the way, the, the, the reason I played the Pirates song is because I was going to play their version of Walking the Dog. Except they don't have a version of Walking the Dog. I was wrong about that. They have a version. They, they do the song um, Do the Dog. Which, okay. by the way, also by the guy who did Walking the Dog, Rufus Thomas. And so I went looking for that. And that's how I came across Sweet Love on My Mind, the Johnny Burnett song. That's how I stumbled across that. I was like, where the hell is this from? I, you know, I mean, I've got the, you know, I don't know how many gigs of music I got, but it's a lot. Okay? I'm, I'm, Giggity. I'm getting close to a terabyte. We're moving in on the, I'm going to have to get like a new thing now. I'm yeah. going to have to get one of your things. It's yeah. a terabyte thing. There you go. So what else went on this week? Well, here we go. There is a Missouri state senator named Kurt Schaefer, a Republican. Shocking. I know shocking. Okay. This week he demanded, demanded, I say, that Planned Parenthood of Missouri turn over a list of every woman in the state who's had a legal abortion in one of its facilities. Even though federal law, specifically the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, says you can't do that. Of course not. Okay. And the ch- and he is this is the thing I like the most. In the in the Missouri State Senate, he is the chairman of you're gonna like this. The Sanctity of Life Committee. They have a Sanctity of Life Committee within the Missouri State they're, Senate. They're a big anti-war group, right? Yeah. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I keep forgetting. War it's, good. To start, the state's not Missouri. It's misery. Yeah. <laughs> okay? It's misery. Uh, what else? Well, there's a uh, porno site, xhamster.com. That is, uh, yeah. you know, no, no porn for you. They uh, Basically, they've been refusing to serve anyone from North Carolina since... They put in that, uh, that uh, the, the, you know, the bathroom, the bathroom, law, the, 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 law, yeah. Right. So users in North Carolina, the, the IP address is just they're, they're popping up with a black screen on their computer, which I mm-hmm. think they, they probably figure is, is interracial porn because, you know, those guys are hung so big it takes up the whole. You know, that's going to be great for the economy in North Carolina. This is what people aren't talking about because now we're, uh, we're there's, there's a, a whole new profession 
the people they have to hire now called pecker checkers <laughs> to stand at the doorway. And, wow, it's good. Know, it's a jobs bill. I didn't like, realize it was a jobs bill. Yeah, right? They, uh, yeah, it's like kind of like, a, kinda like an usher, little combination usher, TSA. Well, you know, they have those guys in the bathrooms. Yeah. You know, they want to give you the soap. They want to give you the sure. mint. They yeah. want to give you whatever it is, you know, candy yeah, to towel and stuff. outfit. They got a mirror on a stick, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, upskirt. They're going to be doing upskirt yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. state-sanctioned upskirt. State-sanctioned upskirt with a little with a little mm. bit extra underneath mm-hmm. the uh, underneath there. Because you know, it's you don't not wanna... a skirt. It's a goddamn kilt. Can't you spot the difference? Yeah, you ought to be kilt. <laughs> you ought to be kilt. <laughs> uh, let me see what else. This one I always like. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, a Republican, elected under 2014 Governor Greg Abbott, Abbott claims that he uh, that what he did wasn't what it looks like because he had always intended to pay for shares. At the, um, basically, what this guy did is he got shares. Um, in a company, let me see who called, uh, I've got this down, I wrote this down someplace and now I can't find it. Um, uh, it's called Servergy. Servergy is the name okay. of the company. And basically, he said it wasn't what it looks like because he had always intended to pay for the shares. Okay? He never paid for his shares. And he said- But, but he, he intended to. He intended to. Until a miracle happened. Oh. While he was innocently chowing down some hot eats- Cool treats and cool treats at a Dairy Queen with the CEO of this company, Servergy, who is William Mapp. During the meeting, according to Paxton, Mapp apparently heard the voice of God telling him not to accept a penny for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of shares. Instead, Mapp said that they would be a gift to Paxton. This apparently is a defense, okay, that this guy, Paxton, is going to be used. He's an accomplished attorney. He's the fucking attorney general for the uh-huh. state of Texas. This is his defense. That's his defense. He told SEC investigators that the shares were a gift from MAP, not necessarily a commission. According to the complaint, Paxton claimed that he accepted the shares only after MAP refused to accept an offer from Paxton to invest 100000 of his own money in Servergy. I can't take your money. God doesn't want me to take your money, MAP told Paxton during a meeting at the Dairy Queen okay, in 2011. This is according to the SEC. Now, of course... This is completely illegal. You are not allowed. Forget about the fact that he's the attorney general. Okay, You're not allowed to. Um, on SEC rules are very strict on this, and they are con- con- consistently broken by hedge fund managers. So mm-hmm. You're not allowed to um, promote a particular sh- uh, company's shares, okay, if you're invested in them without divulging the fact that you have a vested interest in this, if you own shares, you can't promote it without telling people you're promoting it to that you have invested in it. He did neither of those things, and he claimed well, God is saying. Was well, so what? What about if God tells you that's that's not one of pretty those much, pretty much that's uh, written. That's written in there, right? That is written in there. Yeah. So there you go, Texas once again leading the way in corruption. We got you know. I, I don't I, get me started on Texas. <laughs> okay. I, Here's another one that I thought was interesting. This thing came up. It's uh, I read in a, a, a headline. It's the rise to power of the Congressional Anti-Parks Caucus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's Re- the, the the Clivens, the Bundys, and all these these are exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, the research for this brief found that the breakdown of congressional support for national parks and public lands can be traced to twenty lawmakers, a group of twenty U.S. senators and representatives that, um. 
the Center for American Progress, I guess it is, has dubbed the Anti-Parks Caucus, whose record on parks-related issues in the last three years sharply diverges from that of their colleagues in the American public. And the thing is, they're all members of the Tea Party. Um, They were all challenged by Tea Party candidates in a recent primary election. And they're all from districts that are less competitive than the average district. And here's the thing. One of these guys is from Alaska. Now, I don't know how you can be against national parks and be a representative from Alaska because the whole fucking state is a national park. This is this is their point. If I uh, disclaimer, I'm going to pretend to be one of these people right now. Their interest in the economic exploitation of that land. Now, when Teddy Roosevelt set that land aside, it was specifically to prohibit this activity that would destroy the land. Kind of stuff they were trying to do in the the Everglades right now with fracking. why the Republicans are known as conservatives is because in those days the Republicans were conservationists who sought sought to conserve America's natural resources, which is why this land was set aside. However, the modern Republican only cares about about big business, mining, logging, oil companies. The people that pay to get them elected et, et, et over and over again. Therefore, therefore, those those laws that Teddy Roosevelt and those and those conservatives, those Republicans of that day, the, what they what they enacted, these Republicans are trying to enact so that they can economically, so that they can reap, harvest, well, they, destroy, so they can get money slash, put into their packs, so they, they can pay and, to get and reelected. Once they're done, a lot of people will make a lot of money, and and they'll say, "Well, look well, at we're all not the jobs, be either. Look we're at not all the logging jobs we made, right?" And you know, and the, the people up there, jobs. those people up there, are like, "I want me a logging job." Uh, yeah, but go down land, to Brazil. But then, but then the land, down but then there. the land. Well, same thing happening. Then yeah. the, the, you know, uh, it comes at the expense of the land, and then there won't be anything left for future generations to enjoy. Right. That's why I've always, I, I've never understood. Um, so that's why they hate the parks. They wanna, they wanna cut those trees down and sell them. Sons of bitches. Sons right? of bitches. All of right, them. Right. Son of. Well, they bitch. belong to us. And here's the thing that gets me. They belong to us. We won't be making any of that money. No! The notion that a company no! can point to a forest and say, "That's mine. I can. I'm gonna cut it down oh, and you... sell the trees." Like, who the fuck are you? You've heard about this thing yeah. where this, there's a guy out in, uh, I think, in Oregon or Washington, mm. who's doing. You know, when I lived in Hawaii, okay, catchment water was big because you, I didn't have underground plumbing. You went to get your own damn water. I had a 15,000 gallon. Pretty fancy there with your in- indoor bathroom. Right, didn't have no, there was none of that shit. No. I had fi- I had a 15,000 gallon tank, okay, on mm-hmm. outside of my house. And you had to get your own water. And what people used was what called catchment, catchment water. Mm-hmm. So when it rained, it would go through the pipes and it would feed down and would then go through a filter into your tank. And then when you pumped it out again, it goes through another filter before it comes out. So I got great clean water. And you could go and buy – you could have like a truck deliver water to you as well. Okay. So you'd get like 5,000 gallons or 10,000 gallons of water. You'd have the truck pull up and dump it all into your tank. Or you'd have catchment water. These guys out in, uh, in Washington, some guy was using catchment water. And I guess Nestle, the Nestle Corporation – they evil. said, They're they said, evil. you can't do this. The right. water is out. Yeah, You're not allowed. I'm like, right. okay, let me see if I get this straight. You're telling me that I can't collect rainwater on my property. Is, and that's what they said. The, the they CEO said, no. of Nestle says that water is not a right. It's not a right. It's privilege. Right. It's a privilege. It's a commodity that they uh, want to control. And they own the fucking rain. That's what Nestle says. Yeah, we basically. Own, that's we what, own the rain. That's I yeah. am... Blown away by yeah. some of this stuff. This is one of those things. Chutzpah. Oi, does he have a lot Oi, of chutzpah? Oi, The chutzpah on him. I, anyway, so, yeah. So, I, I, you know, and uh, that's why, you know, you were talking about conservatives and all that. Mm-hmm. I am not a conservative. 
Okay, and I'm not a liberal. I am. I do not seek to liberate anybody, and I do not seek to conserve anything. I am a progressive. I seek to progress. Now, whether if conservation or liberalization is part of man's natural progression as we trudge the road of happy destiny moving forward, fine. But I don't label myself as either one of those. I am a progressive. I seek to progress. I've said this before. I will say it again. I'm saying it now. That's what I am. I'm a progressive. Now, am I, a, am I a registered Democrat? Sure. You want to know why? Because Louis Gohmert's a Republican. That's all the reason I need. That's, that's, that's literally, that's good enough for me. If he's a Republican, yeah, I'm on I'm, the I'm, other what, fucking yeah, side. Whatever he's not. Whatever he's not, I am. So there you go. We keep the groove going, though. I have got all kinds of great stuff for us. Um, there's some great music in here, actually. I've got some more Jew funk. I've got regular rock. I've got Jew funk. I got old stuff. I, there's a song in here by a band called This Town Needs Guns, um, which I think is really neat stuff. Problem, of course, is that the entire album sounds like this. But I picked out a gem. In any event, we keep the groove going here. Little Led Zeppelin. You can't go wrong with that on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
we go back, and you you learned the operation of modicum of class in the days. That's why the milk of human kindness I'm giving you. And now you got forty-eight hours. Put in the wind. Leave Denver. Go to Rome. Visit the Vatican. Pray to the God you abandoned back in Brooklyn. Just put it in the fucking wind, Jim. Or else, I gotta do you too. What about the others? Buckwheats. Wasn't their fault. They were following my orders. I take full responsibility. You're not a human being. You're a waltz.
buckwheat is a whole other animal. Guy orders a buckwheat in, it just don't mean take the guy out. It means take the guy out in the most painful way possible. It means the Vic should suffer. Typical buckwheat hit is to shoot a guy up the ass. Yeah, uh, bubbing. <laughs> Slug up the ass, you don't die so much as contort for a good 15 minutes. Then you die. I imagine it's like crapping white hot razor blades. You know? Old friends of mine right there, John Faye, Peter Stewart, Getting It Done. That is a great old song, Your Lies. Uh, that came out in 1985 on Midnight Records, which was uh, the label that uh, all, all these friends of mine that had bands that were in the, uh, you know, the, the guitar, the um, 
psychopunk revival thing that was going on in New York. They all all the, their first pressings were on uh, a label that was owned by a guy named J.D. Martignon. Um, uh, it was called Midnight Records. He had a store called Midnight Records on 23rd, right across from the Chelsea Hotel. Um, it was there. Not, not one of my favorite guys, but he did put a lot of people that I knew and liked on vinyl. That's one of them, the trifles from 1985. Before that, uh, Buckwheat's part two, you know? Ba-bing, right up the ass. There you go, telling you how it's done. This Town Needs Guns. That is a uh, band out of England. Um, that's from uh, 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in there. Uh, they have an album out called Animals. And that song is called Lemur. <laughs> okay? It's right. all, every song on there is called, you know, is named after an animal. But it, that song, I thought, you know, they have a very unique sound. Okay, they're, they're a unique sounding band. The thing is, is that that sound is all they've got. So if you like that sound, fantastic. But after a while, I'm going to want it something different. That's why I span the globe. The, the, the show, the Groovathon is a genre. Spanning the globe. Spanning the globe. We talked about that before. Okay, it's a genre. We have no genre here. But um, interesting stuff. This town needs guns. Uh, before that, a great song by the Kings called Groovy Movies. That is from an out. That is an outtake. From uh, Village Green Preservation Society. Came out in 68. Now, they came out with a three-CD reissue of that. Remastered. So they've got the mono version, the original recording. Okay. Then they have the remastered stereo version. And then the third CD is all of the outtakes and rarities that they were going to put on there. Because Davies, you know, he wrote, I don't know, a million two-minute songs. I mean, I don't know how many songs he's written, but it's a lot. A lot. And so this song, Groovy Movies, is not on the original CD. It's it's part of the third CD. Not on the original album. It's part of the third CD, which is rarities and outtakes. So there you go. Groovy Movies is probably something you, you probably never heard before. For that, yeah. A little more uh, <laughs> things to do in Denver. One of my all-time favorite Chris Walken lines, okay? You're not a, you're not a human being. You're a waltz. <laughs> you know? What happens to me? It's not... It's not my fault. They were acting on my orders. What, you know, what about the others? Buckwheats. Yeah. They get buckwheats. Thank you for explaining buckwheats. There you go. Buckwheats. Mm. Well, you have to give the explanation there. That's what the explanation is. To explain what buckwheats are. It's a great movie. You haven't seen that movie. A, a fantastic movie. The cast in that oh, yeah. is so good. It's almost disturbing. I mean, everybody in that is Perfect. And Chris Walken is the uh, he's the man with the plan. That's what they call him, the man with the plan. And what's his name? He goes, guy's just a fucking head, man, because he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, he's just a head. Why don't we just go kill him? He's just a head. It's all he is anymore. He's blowing into a tube to move around and shit. Great movie. Before that, yeah, more Jews with funk, baby. The Apples doing Kidney Stone. Uh, they're from Israel as well. That is from their uh, album Attention from 2007. These guys were a big hit with European DJs. I played some of their stuff before. They've also done stuff uh, from uh, Jazz Against the Machine. They did either, I'm not sure if they did Bomb Track or Killing in the Name of, from the Jazz Against the Machine collection, but they're on that. And they've got a bunch of stuff that's really, really cool. The Apples out of, uh, out of uh, Israel. Great stuff if you're into that. And, of course, kicking it off, Led Zeppelin, Custard Pie from Physical Graffiti. Great version of Custard Pie, by the way, on Encomium by Henry Rollins, by the Rollins Band. Fabulous version of that. I actually insisted that that CD be put into the jukebox at Tappacake 
in a bar in New York, and they, I made them put that CD in there just so I could hear that song from time to time. I like I told Maggie, I'm like, you have to put it in. Put it in. You got three or four of my other CDs in there. You want to take those out? No, great. Then you're going to put this in. Put it in. Then I had to leave New York. She finally sent me back all my CDs, like the average white band and Queen Latifah, all hail the queen. I had all that shit in the jukebox. It was great. So I told you that I found a Florida Republican we can be proud of. I'm waiting. Okay. His name is Steve. His name is Dave Jolly. David Wilson Jolly. He is uh, an American attorney. He's a former lobbyist. And he is now a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He is from Florida's 13th Congressional District. Uh, he previously served as general counsel to his predecessor, who was uh, Bill Young. Okay, Congressman David Jolly today peeled back uh, the curtain on Washington by introducing legislation that would ban members of Congress from personally asking people for money. Okay. So far, I, you're I, on board? Yeah. I like Jolly that. said, and it's called the STOP Act, and they brought this up last night on 60 Minutes. Now, I had heard about this before. I wasn't aware that our boy, the Jolly Man, the Jolly Roger, the yeah. Jolly Dave, he's Jolly. He's Jolly, and he's making me Jolly. All right? He actually introduced this. Is, uh, he said it's needed because too many uh, in Congress spend more time raising money than the job they were elected to do. Right. Absolutely. Well, is what he said. We can't have a part-time Congress in a full-time world. Americans wonder why we haven't defeated ISIS, secured our border, provided health care for veterans, or reduced the national debt. Here's why: too many in Congress are far more focused on raising money than solving the problems people elected them to fix. How mm-hmm. you like this guy now? I like him. You like him? I like him. Uh, I medium, found a Republican yeah. in Florida mm-hmm. that you and I can be proud of. I am proud of what this guy has done. I am behind him. And last week, I complained. I was bringing up the fact that uh, all the teabaggers from 2000 that came mm-hmm. in, in the there were 87 of them, came in in 2010, and they're all taking a powder now. Well, one of those guys, okay, was Reed Ribble, who I said he shouldn't be a congressman. The guy should be right. a porn, porno star. Reed Ribble. Or he's the guy who's coming in now, pensioning for Manny Mota. Reed Ribble. Okay. He is a co-sponsor of the bill. He's co-sponsoring the bill. That's his last thing before he leaves Congress. Mm-hmm. He's co-sponsoring the bill. So, Reed, I want to give you a, a, a mea culpa. I'm giving my mea culpa today. Okay. Because right. I thought he was just getting the hell out of there without having done anything. This won't pass. But you know what? It's not mm-hmm. going to pass. There's no way this, this thing passes Congress right now. However, it's now it's out there. They've talked about it. Mm-hmm. On 60 Minutes, the bill is out there. So this is how you push that pebble down the snowy mountain, and mm-hmm. you hope it gathers snow and turns into a big snowball at the bottom. And I'm hoping this is the pushing of the pebble from the top. And, and I'm really, you know, it's not often that I'm going to say, wow, man, Republicans really are on, on board. I'm saying it today. Saying right. it today. And there's some Democrats on board with this, too. This Good. is a bipartisan bill. Good. But it was introduced by Florida Republican David Jolly of the 13th District here in Florida. So the next time we complain, let's remember, there's a few choice nuggets out there because I, I can't paint them all with the same brush as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, they remind me I have to use a finer tip brush. You can't just use that big – you can't just fucking spray paint the entire side of the wall. You've right. got to use a bit of a finer brush, and this is one of the reasons why. And I think this is 
the most important thing we can do. You know, camp, vigorous campaign finance reform is the bill that lets all the other bills get passed. That's one of those great yeah. lines from one of the last uh, um, West Wing episodes where uh, – what's his name? The uh, Jimmy Smith, who's now the president-elect, okay, says, well, the first thing I want to do is campaign finance reform. And his advisors are sitting in there and saying, do you really think that, you know, shouldn't we be doing it? He goes, no, 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 no. Campaign finance reform is the bill that lets us pass – all the other bills. Mm-hmm. That's what they, you take money out of the equation. Four hours a day. You know what I thought yeah. of? I thought of that guy. He's a big fat comedian who was talking about being at the uh, Chinese buffet in Vegas. He's there and the guy's like, you've been here four hours. You've mm-hmm. been here for four hours already. You must go now. <laughs> That's what I thought of with this. You've been here four hours at dialing for dollars. Yeah. And it's like they, they show. It's like a it's a boiler room. The phone sure, room. Sure. Okay, I'm you know, I'm the pro. Put me on there, I'll raise as much money as you want. Now, at the end of the day, the IRS, the United States Postal Inspector Service, the FBI, and probably the local DC police will come and arrest me for what I've said on the phone. However, I guarantee I'll make you some money. All right, that I can do. You give me a phone, somebody on the other end of that phone, and a product, whether it, it exists or not, and I can make your company money. That's what I'm good at. Among other things. But that I'm really good at. And I've got the arrest record to prove it. <laughs> That's how good I am. <laughs> Not just me. We used to have guys. There was a guy named Mike Bach. Mike Bach, the greatest phone man I ever knew. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy, one of the, this is one of these things I was talking to. Uh, like now I can't remember his name all of a sudden. The guy who wrote Boiler Room. Okay. But I was ta- I remember talking to him about it. I was saying, you know, what Mike Bach would do. Okay, because the hardest people to get a hold of, okay, are the ones that are the easiest to get money out of when you do get a hold of them. It's doctors. Doctors. Okay. okay? This is how you get a hold of a doctor. Uh, yes, this is uh, Mike Bach. I'm calling from the Arizona Police Officers Association. I need to speak with the doctor. I am authorized to speak only with the doctor. I don't mind holding. Now, if you don't mind being put on hold for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You and all you get are three doctors a day. You're gonna get two of two out of three of them because nobody they never get pitched. Right? Nobody pitches these guys. You have to be willing to be in it to win it, baby. I'm Mike Bach. I'm authorized to speak only with the doctor. I don't mind holding. <laughs> okay, you don't mind holding, and they'll put and that light keeps blinking mm-hmm. on the gatekeepers. You know, the, the the secretary, the receptionist, the gatekeeper. You know, as opposed to the as opposed to the key master, right. you get the gatekeeper. <laughs> then you need the key master. Okay? But that light keeps blinking. So when he comes out, she's going to see that light blink. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, there's this guy. He said he's from the blah, blah, blah. And that's how you get him. You get him like that. That's how you get him. That's how you make the big buck. Mike Bach, the best. The best ever. So I think this is a good thing. I think that, that this is something we should be talking about. This is something that should be brought up more and more. And unfortunately... You know, it's not going to pass. It's not going to pass this time yeah. around. But campaign finance reform, getting money out of politics, is how we get shit done. And the thing that, that got to me is he said, you want to know, you know, he was talking about all the things that we can't get done. And one of them was like, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody. They were saying, well, they were asking me, you know, why aren't, you know, you're, you're not really for Bernie. I mean, it's all pie in the sky stuff. I said, no, it's not. Right. It's not pie in the sky. This is about um, opportunity cost. That's all it is. We got $160 billion for, for F-35 jet project sure. overruns. Okay. We've got that money. 
We have that money. Okay, So this isn't about us whether or not we have the money. It's about choosing what we do with the money that we have. And don't talk to me about how we need – okay, taxes – Okay, are what we pay to the government to get stuff done. Then we decide what to do with that money. Don't complain to me that we're we're not being that we're being taxed too little, too much, not enough, any of that. We're being taxed probably about the right thing. It's how we spend that money that we're not. Amen. Okay, it's not that that we're being overtaxed, and we're not certainly not being undertaxed. I don't believe we're we're, we're being taxed too little. Or, or too much. Maybe I don't tax believe correctly. Yeah, nice, I, th- nice I, progressive tax rate. I need a progressive rate. tax rate. Yeah. That's right. If you make a bazillion dollars, you should pay more Shit. than the person. They're has- sheltering ninety percent of it at the very least, if not all of it. In anyway, Panama. Panama. They're doing it down in Panama. No, right. They're not even doing it in Panama. Yeah. It's foreign right people here. are doing it in Panama. They're yeah. doing it right here in America. You so want please, to wash- they've got a million and one ways to shelter their money. So yeah. you want to wash money? Go to a casino. That's the easiest way. You want to you want to launder money? Just take a million dollars worth of fives and tens and go to a casino. Get a, turn them into a whole bunch of chips, and then take those chips and turn them into a whole yeah. bunch of hundreds. Washed. Consider it washed. Yeah. That's it. You're done. Register yourself as a as a as a big time gambler as a whale, mm-hmm. and they'll give you your own security box. There, you have your right. own. Ba- okay, and unlike a bank, you can go to that casino twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year, and get your money. And then convert it all into five thousand and ten thousand, twenty five thousand dollars chips. You have a million dollars in a stack like this. That's what it'll look like. Yeah. All these guys out there, they were, I know you're scratching your chin. That's brilliant. Now all I need is the money. money. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. these guys, I've always wondered about these guys, you know, John Roberts and, and Mickey Monday and all these guys with all this money. And they're like, you know, we just, what are you going to do with all this money? We went down and put it in the pen. I'm like, you fucking idiots. Just buy diamonds. Sure. Buy diamonds, stick it in a box like this. You put like 10, you put $100 million in a box, like a shoebox. Mm-hmm. In a fucking shoebox. Then buy some land up in Montana and bury it. That's it. You're done. Diamonds, easily sellable anywhere. Yeah. I don't understand how people could be so smart to make all this money and not smart enough to figure out how to keep it. Marathon man. Is there it, it is. Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> Zell! 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 <laughs> right. I like that. Talk about dentistry. Is the it modern s- era of dentistry. Oh, my God. That, is just... that movie did for dentistry what Jaws did for the beach. <laughs> Nobody went to the dentist for like a year after seeing that movie. Great movie, though. Oh, one phenomenal movie on the edge of your seat. Absolutely, a great good stuff. But boy, that sound. (laughs) That sound. Well, of course, you know. Let's see. Look, I'm telling you. I like you. You've got a bit of a cavity there. Because let's see. Of course, what happens when we put it into a perfectly healthy tooth? Uh. (laughs) We all know what happens. Any event, keep an eye on this. Okay, Um, this guy. David Jolly and Reed Ribble, a co-signer. The other thing they talked about on 60 Minutes last night, there was a whole thing about heroin addiction and how, uh, you know, treatment versus um, incarceration. You know what? I'm going to go past that. How come nobody wants to talk about the real cause of the heroin problem, which is big pharmaceutical companies doling out narcotics like they were fucking Skittles, okay, and making bazillions of dollars off them and not keeping track. Do you know that here in Florida – Okay, the reason that Fort Lauderdale was like the script capital of the fucking universe is because they didn't have a computer system here to keep track of who was buying what. They, they, they just instituted it. For years, you, they didn't have a central 
database. Yeah. Oh, terribly inconvenient. I yeah. know. Well, not if you not if you want to right. buy tons of scripts exactly. and then resell them sure. as hillbilly heroin up in up in the Appalachians. I do, but I guess it's too late now. Boy, bummer, boy! If you'd only yeah, been on that one ahead of time. I guess it's back to crack That's for school children lost. for me. <laughs> Unbelievable! It's back to it's back to nibbling on a on aborted fetuses again with a little cocktail sauce. Hey. Hello. You, know, you were talking in the previous segment what you were politically. This is why I'm a I'm a neo cannibalistic anarchist. God bless. Because I think that uh, that's pragmatic and uh, the it ultimate is. in recycling is uh, hey, don't just beat that asshole to death. Uh, serve him up. <laughs> serve it up. <clears throat> Cocktail sauce. Yeah. Me. All right, we keep this. Just keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on this Stop Act. It's called the Stop just, Act, which cracks me up. Stop Act. Stop. Act. Act. Right. Yeah. That's a, he said that was it. Uh, Stephen Wright. He goes. Dude, yeah. I want to name my dog. Stop. Stop. I want to name my dog. Stay. Here. Stay. Here. Stay. Of course, the other thing he says, I want to have a my my pet's going to be a pony. <laughs> I want to have a. He's like when I move into the new apartment. They said you can have a pet. I said great, man. I have a pony. Yeah. <laughs> we keep the groove going. Public Enemy. How to kill a radio consultant on the Groove on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
Your reputation far exceeds your skills, Mammy Rammer.
evil comes and evil goes. Damn skippy it does. My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, Mr. and Mrs. Bottomless Pit from a crime for all seasons. I was just telling uh, George over here, I have, of course, the complete discography of My Life with Thrill Kill Cult. And it's huge, dude. It's like 20 different CDs. I got a lot of their stuff laying around. Great stuff. Before that, Bill Withers Kissing My Love. That is the uh, studio version from 1972. Uh, still, Bill, uh, shout out to Dave Dubay, who posted a live version of that from some site he, you know, subscribes to or whatever. And they had come up with it. There's, it's a dynamite version. The quality wasn't good enough. I sent it to you, and the quality just wasn't quite there. But the song is dynamite. But the live version, that if you, it's on uh, YouTube, Kissing My Love. Um, it's, really, it's just groovy. It's just well done. It's in, you know, it's li- kind of like live in the studio kind of thing. You know, there's no, it doesn't look like there's an audience there, but it's, it's really cool. Before that, an interesting live version of Three of a Perfect Pair from King Crimson. I had, I was originally going to play the studio version of that, and I kind of went poking around to see what else I could find. That's live from Montreal. Um, I was telling, you know, I went to visit a very good friend of mine, uh, Mark Vivian, Johnny Vegas, who had been in a motorcycle accident, known from New York City, baddest ass motherfucker I personally know. Seriously, the most lethal guy I personally know. He's got a uh, his his girlfriend Simone. Thank God she's there looking after him. She's taking great care of him. We stayed up really really late the night I was this uh, last a week ago Saturday. Stayed up until some ridiculous hour of the morning, the next day, whatever it was, and uh, listening to all kinds of stuff. And one of the stories I was telling her was about the time I met uh, the guys from King Crimson. Fortunately, that was also the same night that I sat in a booth at Danceteria eating french fries, doing some other stuff with Billy Idol. Then I went upstairs to meet King Crimson, you know, on the roof at the party. Didn't really get much done except throw up off the roof. Do the math on that one, folks. You have Billy Idol, a, you have Billy Idol, french fries, okay, and a barbecue on the roof of Danceteria in the 80s, okay, and me, okay. Do the math as to why I threw up. Kicking off the set. Yeah, Public Enemy, How to Kill a Radio Consultant. That is from Apocalypse 91. The Enemy Strikes Black. Um, oh, in between that, yeah, there was, uh, what is it, I Am Godzilla, You Are Japan. The uh, Treat Williams line from uh, Things to Do in Denver with Your Bed. Your, your, your reputation far out, you know, far out does your skills, Mammy Rammer. And then the guy, of course, shoots him and kills him. He pulls out. That's the yeah. last thing the guy does before he dies. Shoots him with like that little... P-Shooter 22, he's got up his <laughs> sleeve right there. So, um, this is time for the drive. Of course, time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. I'm talking about Precision Auto Works. Pompano Beach, Florida, 954-247-9362. Brand new location, bigger, better, bumper-to-bumper coverage, as always. These guys, I just on the phone with Dave, spoke to him when I got here. I've got the, the little tire light thing came on in my car, you know, when you're and I checked all the tires. He goes, you know, no problem, stop by any time. He's like, just pull right on up. Let's make sure there's no ding in there. He's like, check the, you know, as long as you're here, we'll check the fluids. My man, Dave. That's my man. Getting a job. That's the place you want to go to. Like I said, last week, okay, I was talking about the, the fact that that 71 Chevelle he had sold at Barrett Jackson for over 70 grand. And the guys, Mignanti and, and De Brule, these guys who do all the commentating for Speed Channel and stuff for all these shows. Wow. They just couldn't get enough. Oh, look at the detail. Look at this. Look at the 454, 454 Big Buck. Look at this. Look On and on and on. Now, any car that's being brought up on a Saturday 
at Barrett Jackson, they're going to say that kind of shit about you. You don't get to sell your car at Barrett Jackson after 6 o'clock at night, okay, on a Friday or Saturday, unless that baby is a sweet ride. Sweet. Okay, I mean, we're talking, you know, the Hemi Cudas going, Hemi Cuda convertibles for like $2 million. That's what, that's what, and that car sold there. So it really is the place where people who love their cars take their cars. 954-247-9362. Mention the Groovathon. Absolutely a discount there. Need to know where it is and what they can do. Well, it's every day. He does everything. He does it. If he doesn't do it, he'll make it. If it doesn't exist, he'll tool and die it, baby. You can go to the SoFloRadio.com website. Click on the box that says Tony C's Groovathon. You will see every show I have ever played available for download for free. And you will see a list of every song I've ever played. Every song for each show. And at the very top of that list, you'll see a link for Precision Auto Works. Click on that link. gives you all the information you need. That means it's time for the drive groove. Very special drive groove today. Okay. I always like to play shredders. Started off, what, I have like 10 weeks in a row of shredding, Steve's? Yeah. Shredding, Steve's. I'm never running out. Here's the thing. There would be no shredders. There would be no shredding if it weren't for Lonnie Mack, who passed away at the age of 74. Um, this week, natural causes. Um, he played, he was known as the master of the flying V, the flying V guitar. It was a flying V Gibson, uh, serial number seven. And here's some interesting stuff. He equipped it with a Bigsby tremolo bar. Okay. And he put that on there and he came out with a song called Wham. And after right. that, you know what the tremolo bar became known a as? A whammy bar. A whammy bar. That's I saw that on the news. There you go. That's well, now, you know, that's where it comes from. It comes from him doing the song Wham. And um, he really, this guy never, you know, the, that, that album, uh, The Wham of That Memphis Man, which came out in, uh, I believe, the year I was born, 63. Okay? Um, that album was his biggest album ever. He actually had, here's an interesting thing. I was talking uh, several weeks ago about a song by uh, um, Christy... Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the Irish guy that was playing the, the Bobby Sands, the song that Bobby Sands had written. And he'd been playing it on RTE, on Radio Television. And when they found out that Bobby Sands, an IRA member, had actually composed the song, they took it off. Not because the song was bad, because they knew who composed it. Well, here's a similar situation. There's a song that Lonnie Mack had written and did called Where There's a Will. And that had very extensive airplay on black radio. He was a, a blues soul singer. He would sing, you know, that soulful voice. And they kept playing it until they found out that he was white. <laughs> I swear to God. True story. They found out he was white, stopped playing, took it off the air. Because he wasn't black. They were all black. It was all about being black. So, Guitar World, <clears throat> basically, Guitar Player Magazine, Guitar World. These are the magazines that are out there for, you know, shredder fetishists. We are shredder fetishists. You know, the Yngwie Malmsteins, the Greg mm-hmm. Howes, the Steve Morse, the Steve Vise and Satriani's of the world. All these guys, the, all these shredders out there, these serious shredders. I mean, Jimmy Page, not a shredder. Eric Clapton, not a shredder. Okay? G- Guthrie Govan, that guy's a shredder. My boy Dave D- Dave Dubay, mm-hmm. he's a shredder. Every You hear every 64th note. My friend Adam Rogers, absolutely a shredder. He, he Now, he would hate it if I said that. He hates, he's a jazz guy. He is jazzy on tour with uh, Bill Evans and um, Patitucci. And all, he's toured with all these guys all over the world. He's acknowledged as one of the great 
you know, he's world-renowned as a jazz guitar player. I was there the day he got his very first guitar. Me, him, and Mike Atkins, we were like 14 when he finally, when he got a guitar. We went down to Manny's on 48th Street, got him a guitar, okay? It was a cream on white Strat. I remember that. So there would be no shredders if it weren't for Lonnie Mack. And Guitar World said, Mack attacked the strings with fast, aggressive, single-string phrasing and seamless rhythm style that significantly raised the guitar virtuoso bar and foreshadowed the arena-sized tones of guitar heroes to come. Um, With the wiggle of a whammy bar and the blinding run of notes up and down the neck of his classic, classic Gibson Flying V, Lonnie Mack launched the modern guitar era. Now, some interesting things about Lonnie Mack that most right. people don't know. Lonnie Mack played bass on the Doors album Morrison Hotel. He, you know, typically was um, uh, Manzarek, mm-hmm. the keyboard player. He played he bass. actual bass on the first album, but okay. then every album after that, he used uh, it's like a Hammond. He had like one of these Hammond organs with right. the bass pedals. Mm-hmm. Okay, on this album, Morrison Hotel, okay, they do a great song, one of the all-time classic rock and roll greats, Roadhouse Blues. Keep your eyes on you know who plays bass on that? Yeah, Lonnie Mack. And the guy who produced the album, produced all of their albums, um, I just said his name, Rothschild. Okay, Paul Rothschild. Ain't a retentive. This guy was like Steely Dan before Steely Dan. He was us before we were here. He's ain't a retentive. It's got to be perfect. So they're recording Roadhouse Blues. They did it for an entire day. They mm. were in the studio for an entire day. They just, And, you know, I read somewhere that the, the, the first Doors album cost like $78,000 to produce. That's what it cost. Yeah. Okay, so now, now they got money. So this is like their fourth or fifth album, Morrison Hotel. L.A. Woman, I think, was their fifth album. Morrison Hotel was their fourth album. Either, something like that. And um, so now, of course, they're, they're, you know, Rothschild is now, oh, well, now let's we could do all this new stuff. And so they spent an entire day on this song, and Lonnie Mack had been signed to Elektra, which is the same label the Doors were on. He was like their, their guitar player. He was their session player that they would bring in to do shit and get shit right. So after an entire day where they couldn't get it right, then they start the next day. They still can't get it right. The guys at Electra call, get Lonnie Mac. They bring him in at lunch. Mm. Done in three hours. Done. Done. That's it. Thanks. Lonnie Mac shows up. He's the, you know, hey, don't get me wrong. The Doors wrote great songs. I like mm. the Doors. I, I love the Doors. I love their music. There's not a lot of it. So I didn't get – they they never got to that phase where they mm-hmm. shouldn't have been doing it anymore. Right. They really right. didn't. Yeah. L.A. Woman, last thing they came mm-hmm. out with, great album. Mm-hmm. Great album. You know? I mean, that's a shame to, for me about Skinner. Their sure. last album because they brought in what's-his-name as a, as a guitarist. Right. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It's not, but, you know, Street Survivors, their last – what a fantastic record that is. Well – they brought this guy in, and he got it done, baby. Money, you know, there's a uh, part, um, where is it, uh, several takes from these sessions. Uh, this is from, uh, it was recorded in 1969, November 4th and 5th. Uh, here it is, with Paul Rothschild striving for perfection. Several takes from these sessions were included in the 2006 remastered album, with Morrison repeating the phrase, money beats soul, over and over again. You like you would say that in the background. So if you get mm-hmm. the remastered, you'll hear that. And it says the oh here it is here's the I, here's the story right. The sessions took uh, was it the the sessions only took off on the second day when resident electric guitarist Lonnie Mac joined in on bass along with this is great the harmonica was done by John John Sebastian. 
So some interesting people yeah. on that album. Electra, you know, which is ended, ended up being part of WIA, Warner Electra Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But back in those days, Electra really had a fantastic assemblage, okay, mm-hmm. of in-house musicians that they would bring in to do this shit. And this is just a prime example. You know, they needed to get the doors thing done. Bring in fucking, bring in our boy, okay? You know, bring in Lonnie Mac. Mm-hmm. Lickety split. And, you know, it's not like they didn't get it right because the song is Roadhouse Blues. I'm pretty sure they got it right. A rock and roll classic, if ever there was. That's a standard. That's a rock and roll standard at this point. Everybody does it. Okay, every bar band in the world does it. And just to show you that, that it's a good song, almost every version I've heard is pretty good. There's, you know, it's pretty good stuff. Um, in 1983, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Stevie Ray Vaughan got his start, of course, with uh, David Bowie. He mm-hmm. does all the guitar work. He does the guitar solo work on uh, China Girl, even yeah. though in the video it shows David Bowie doing the solo, but he's yeah. wearing white gloves. And I always yeah. thought that was stupid because nobody sounds like Stevie Ray Vaughan but Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can't tell me right. that you're playing that solo. I knew the minute that mm-hmm. I heard that it wasn't him. No, forget, mm-hmm. forget it, pal. All right. So in 83, Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, basically got Lonnie Mack. Lonnie Mack was living in like Indiana, southern Indiana at the time. He had toured in Canada. He really kind of faded away. He had, you know, done session work. And Stevie Ray Vaughan once said that he, the, one of the things he was proudest of was that the first 45 he ever bought, ever in his life, mm-hmm. Lonnie Mack's 1963 version of Wham. Okay, awesome. wham. That's the first 45 ever bought. Mm-hmm. And he basically, he, he said, told Lonnie Mack, he picked him up and moved him to Texas. To come mm-hmm. to Texas, okay, and, you know, we will, we'll set something up. They were trying to build a studio in Pennsylvania. They were, and originally Lonnie Mack was going to get this, was going to get Stevie Ray Vaughan to record his new, you know, he, he had heard of Stevie Ray mm-hmm. Vaughan and brought him in. Okay, but then the partner that was with, Lonnie Mac like died in a in a car crash. Okay, so they couldn't do it, and so and the and at that then Steve Ray Vaughan did get signed. Then he did get famous. Everybody began to know him. And by '83, he had come out with Texas Flood. He moves Lonnie Mac down there, and 1985, Lonnie Mac comes out with Strike Like Lightning, which is the, his first studio album in many many years, and it is produced by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And Stevie Ray Vaughan does a lot of work. Um, on, does a lot of solos on it. I found, I think I have a, is this the live version that I, that I brought? Um, yes, I have a live version with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Lonnie Mack that I've got coming up. Now, in the summer of 1985, I was working at Tower Records. And when this album came out, Strike Like Lightning, I was already a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan and a very big Lonnie Mack fan. I had already, you know, I know my shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's one of the reasons I got hired at Tower. And... When he came out with the album, he was doing supporting it with a tour. Mm-hmm. And I saw that he was going to be playing at the Lone Star. It's the original Lone Star on 5th Avenue and 13th Street. Not a very big place. I've seen some fantastic shows there. Fantastic shows there. Mm-hmm. Howie, Howie will tell you. My friend Howie, he used to live on like the steps right by the stage. That, that was his second home right there on the, those stages. I have a picture of me and Robert Gordon and I believe Ira Elliott and uh, one of the guys from Dance Terrier on the roof of the Lone mm-hmm. Star. They had this huge iguana. There's a picture of all of us sitting up there. This is before, before, of course, Robert Gordon decided to come uptown to the night cafe and get shit kicked out of him for buying Coke on 107th. That's a whole other thing. So 
1985. I'm working there. He's coming on tour. I love the album. And back in those days, album record stores mattered. And, you know, you would go in a record store and they had everything filed by, like, alphabetized. But as you walked down, they had end racks. They had an end rack. Right. Which is where they would put the, the stuff that was new mm-hmm. that, that they wanted to promote. And so at Tower, that's a big deal. That's a big deal when that shit happens. Okay, when you get end, end rack space, you know, that matters because there was a lot. We had everything. Right. Okay, and mm. I pushed to have that album get and rack space. I pushed for that and we gave it. Mm-hmm. We, 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 gave him a, we gave him a row. He didn't get the top row. He got the yeah. second row. But he got oh, yeah. all four slots on the second row, both sides. Both sides. And I inherited basically the Soul in 12 inch section. Okay? okay. From a lady who is no longer with us, sadly, named Millie Walker. Millie Walker had been the Soul in 12 inch buyer at the 4th Street store. She came up Open, we, you know, they opened the 66th Street store. I was hired, put under her tutelage. Once I knew what I was doing, she split. She went back to the 4th Street store. And three, three, on the Wednesday before Live Aid, this is in July of 1985, Lonnie Mac's show was going to be at the Lone Star. And so I can call, at this point, I can call up any club and put myself on the guest list. I did, that was, that's the nice thing about working at Tower back in those days. Yeah, this is Tony from Tower. Yeah, this is, just put me in five on the guest list. Make sure I have some drink tickets there, please. Dance Terry would do that for me nonstop. I could always go to Dance Terry and get drunk for mm-hmm. free. It was great. And I did. <laughs> so he does what's known as an in-store. And, you know, it's like a book signing. Mm-hmm. He, but he did it at the 4th Street store. And my shift was from 12 to 8 that day. I remember this day, fucking, this day is in my head. Man, it's a movie I can replay anytime. It's that, it's that great for me personally. And Millie Walker, who was down there, she said, you know, the guy who's, you know, up at 66, he's a really big fan. He got you N-Rack Space. He's been pushed for N-Rack Space. And so what he did, what Lonnie Mack mm. did was he autographed a copy of the album, thanking me for helping, to, you know, to promote it. And got a messenger, one of those bike messengers, and right. sent it up to the 66th Street store to me, along with a little note. There's yeah. a note in there, a piece of paper that says, I put you on the guest list. He said, you're on my guest list for both shows, but you definitely want to show up for the early one. He was doing an early, like a 7.30 mm-hmm. show, and then like an 11 o'clock show. So they would clear everybody out after the first thing, and then bring in a whole right. new thing at, 11, mm-hmm. you know, at 10.30. Mm-hmm. And the Lone Star, you have to understand, the original Lone Star, you're right up there. You're right there. You are. Mm-hmm. I was fucking five feet from the stage and there's like masking tape to separate because the bar is right there so there's only like you know there's 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 no crowd there's tables and stuff the the stage there's you can only get like 50 people in front of the stage that's it that's it everybody else will be off to the side so i get down there and for the early show and i'm on as his guest as lonnie max guest i come in and along with me to honor this guy, to show up. Okay, first of all, playing with him on stage, Keith Richards and Ron Wood. Awesome. Nice start. Good yeah. start. Yeah. Good start. Okay, standing They'll next do. to me, and I mean literally, there's like a row of people right up in front of the stage. It's Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Paul Simon, Adrian Ballou, uh, nice. uh, Tony Levin. Um, Bob Dylan showed up at a different show. The amount, he on this tour, everybody. Mm-hmm. Showed up. He hadn't toured like this for a, for a big album in years, and all these guys recognized that without him, yeah, that the the other guitar player in the band, 
the solo guitar player, doesn't exist. They don't have a Ron Wood. They don't have a Brian, you know, Brian Jones. They don't have a guy who can play blinding speed because there was no need for that before Lonnie Mack. He did that. Okay, it is, there's a, where is it, it says, it is not an exact, yeah, I, I wrote that, uh, yeah, and later on that year, he actually, this is a great video, there's a video called Further On Down the Road, um, which he did, it's him, Roy Buchanan, and Albert Collins at Carnegie Hall in 1985. Now, if you're a guitar person, and you don't think that's a good lineup, don't, 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 you're, you're at, then you're not a guitar person. That's, you, you can't say right. that's bad. You can't. That was in 19th and, it, and it's available as a DVD, so I highly recommend that. And um, let me see. It says, it, uh, in all, it's not an exaggeration to say that Lonnie Mack was well ahead of his time. His bluesy solos predated the pioneering blues rock guitar work of Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, and Mike Bloomfield by nearly two years. Considering that they were, before their time, the chronological significance of Lonnie Mack for the world of rock guitar is that much more remarkable. Um, he was an aggressive, sophisticated, originally and fully realized sound. Uh, listen to the original Wham and Susie Q for the definitive touch tone lyricism and soulful music attitude. Okay, of this man. That's for yeah. That's according to Ted Nugent. Okay, <laughs> seriously. Say what you will about his politics. Ted Nugent's a fucking axe man. That boy can play guitar. I saw him live. He's no joke, baby. No, no question. Okay, and he, you know, he's saying this kind of stuff. The project from uh, the ultimate sound that penetrated deep into the sensual souls. That's what that's what Ted Nugent said about Lonnie Mac. So, if you don't know Lonnie Mac, you're about to hear some of it. Um, we've got a drive groove today. That is, uh, I've got three out of five songs are going to be his, and this first one is terrific. This is from what they did is uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan took the original song Wham, and him and Lonnie Mac did it together. It's called Double Whammy, Double Whammy, and this. Mm-hmm is a live version, okay, from the Orpheum Theater in 1986 in Memphis. There was a show that went around, that went on tour called the American mm-hmm. Caravan. The Great American, I think it was called the Great American Caravan. The American Caravan, something like that. Mm-hmm. This is just bliss. Okay, this is bliss. Lonnie, we already miss you, but you know what? His influence will live on in rock and roll forever. Forever. And I wrote that, yeah, I liked Prince. I do. Mm-hmm. I like Prince. We like Prince. I like Prince a lot. Yeah. Okay. It's showbiz, you know. You Show. gotta, you gotta but I'll records. tell you something. In the influence department, he pales, pales in comparison to Lonnie Mack's influence on music. Music. Just, sure. Forget genre. music. No. Music. No, Prince Prince was Prince. Prince was and Prince. He helped, and he wrote some songs for this artist and that, but it was pop. This pop. Lonnie Mack no. invented he's the he's called the guitar hero's guitar hero. Okay? That ain't no shit, pal. And you're about to you're about to hear a whole bunch of reasons why we kick it off with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Lonnie Mack doing double whammy on the drive groove on SoFloradio.com.
ago. That's what started it all right there. Lonnie Mack doing a uh, instrumental version of Memphis. It's a uh, Chuck Berry song. You know, Dan, you know the, that's from the album The Wham of That Memphis Man. And um, that was really, I'll tell you something, that was, uh, he, I was, re- I was doing, you know, I do the homework so you don't have to. So I, you know, re-familiarized myself with a whole bunch of uh, Lonnie Mack uh, information. And that song was basically his first big hit song, Memphis. And he literally did that. He was uh, doing a, a session like as a uh, as an artist, you know, as a he's just doing his session music mm-hmm. and stuff, and he recorded that that instrumental version of the Chuck Berry song, kind of just for fun. Okay, he did not know that his label, I had the what label was it? Uh, Fraternity was the label he was on. He didn't realize that they had issued that as a single until he heard it on the radio when he was driving down the road. He had like this big ass Cadillac. He, he drove he drove the Mama Luke Cadillac. Okay, just the one with the big ass fins. You land a helicopter on the hood of that puppy, right. okay? Just the largest car ever. Yeah, there's a great Tim Allen uh, routine about that. That big ass guy, like he's like, you want to change the radio on that thing? You better think long and hard about this. Like you know, it's way over there. You gotta, you gotta take your hand over the steering wheel and go like this <laughs> to change. It's a great routine. You ever see that? But um, that is Lonnie Mac's first big uh, hit right there. Was Memphis? That was his number one selling uh, forty-five ever. Before that. Great American guitar player, Joe Walsh. We love Joe Walsh. Yes, we do. We love him. He's got a lot of stuff out there. You got to sift through some of it. But when he gets it right, baby, he gets it right. That is a fantastic song. That's from So What, which uh, came out during his solo years in the early 70s, early and mid-70s. Before that, there's an expression. Uh, Steve Morse uses this expression all the time, chicken picking. That song, chicken mm-hmm. picking? You know, yeah. that style, chicken picking? Well, you want to know where it comes from? Yeah, Lonnie Mack, motherfuckers. That song... Chicken picking. That's the name of the song. And not, not on any album. It was from the uh, sessions from the Wham of That Memphis Man, but it was not on the original pressing. They had put it out in some of the compilations and stuff that have come out later. Mm-hmm. That was there. But he originally recorded that song for the album, and they didn't put it on there. Now, I'm listening to it. I'm like, how do you not put that song on here? Isn't it? That's, that's track one, side one, motherfucker. They didn't, you know, back then, not so much. Just goes to show. Back mm-hmm. then, they really had to kind of take a chance on a yeah. lot of what this guy did. And that chance turned into the arena rock that people like you and me, right? Yeah, you know, we got used to. Those big bands with those really long solos <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. there's your man. Before that, this guy, I love this guy. He's a fabulous guitar player named Greg Howe. Greg Howe is a session guy, um, crisp clean jazz sound uh that is from an album he uh let me see which album is that that is the song's called come and get it's from introspection which i believe is his second cd so that's in the early 90s he's been around for a long time one of those guys when he came out like when he first burst onto the scene guitar world guitar player magazine are like wow he, you know he was like best new guitar player he's named best jazz guitar player a couple of years you know he burst onto the scene like buckethead like a bunch of people mm-hmm. okay i'll tell you that the, and the opening song of that set, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Lonnie Mac, live, doing double whammy, okay? Um, that is all the, the songs. The original song is Wham, okay? And double whammy was the one that Stevie Ray Vaughan put together with him, and they put that on Strike Like Lightning. So it's both of them doing Wham. Okay. That's why it's double whammy. That is live from the Orpheum Theater in Memphis, uh, the American Caravan. And I once saw 
You know, this is one of those things about uh, style and technique versus just a skill factor. I once saw Stevie Ray Vaughan. I've seen Stevie Ray Vaughan a bunch of times live. Uh, twice with Johnny Winters opening. I saw him once at his brother's band, the Fabulous Thunderbirds opening. And one time on the pier, um, which used to be the Dr. Pepper Festival. Okay, mm-hmm. but now it's at the pier. I uh, went to the pier and became the Miller Light Festival or something. I saw Steve Ray Vaughan with Joe Satriani opening. And at the time, Joe Satriani had just come out with um, Surfing with the Alien. So he was the big swinging dick of the okay. guitar world at the time. He was it. You know, right after him, I guess shortly after that, it was Ingve Malmsteen was the big swinging dick of the guitar mm-hmm. world, you know. Right, right. But at the time, it was him. But. You know, and he came out, you know, such and he comes out with like a fucking, um, like a, uh, like a, a skin tight, you know, workout suit. So, you know, one of these suits, you know, from the, it was just so 80s. It was disgusting. <laughs> now, Satriani, man, could play. Let's not mm. kid ourselves about the fact that that boy's got serious skills. You're going to hear every 64th note very clearly. Okay. But what you realize when you see him and then right after him, you see Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. Then you realize what the difference is between a guy that can play guitar and a guitar player. Okay. Satriani can play guitar. Yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan's a guitar player. That's the difference, man. Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, he had something on the inside that you can't teach. You can't learn. It's there. Lonnie Mack, same thing. Lonnie Mack had something. He sings ballads and blues songs. He's got a voice. All these songs are instrumentals. He's got a voice. Killer. Mm-hmm. Sensational voice. Absolutely fantastic. For years known as a great blues ballad guy. Great voice. But originally, he's the reason for all you people out there that love your guitars and love your shredders. Lonnie Mack, you know. Say a thank you to the man that just passed away last week at the age of 74. Because without him, they, there is no Deep Purple. There is no yes. Right. There is no, none of that. And all these guys, and when I, I was at that show, you could tell there was reverence. It was an homage to this guy. These, these people, you know, you think you get all those guys showing up to, there couldn't have been more than 150 people in the place. Okay, how do you get all those guys to show up at something? Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Paul Simon, Keith Richards, uh, you know, Adrian Ballou. How do you get these guys to show up for a show? Well, put Lonnie Mack on fucking stage. That's how you get them to fucking show up. That's how you get these guys to all show up in one place. Because, you know, and there were no limousines out front. That was the other thing I remember. It's like, how did they get there? Because they were already there when I got there. Because I had to get permission to leave because my shift was until 8 o'clock. And I went downstairs. I remember showing, I think it might have been Kenny Altman or one of the other managers. I was like, look, I got to go. I got to go. They're like, oh, yeah. They were really cool about that at Tower. They were, I'll say one thing about Tower. Okay, it, you made terrible money. But if you were, yeah, but that's the thing. You didn't work there for the money. You worked there because you were into music. And all the shit that you could do, they would let you do. Brian Adams once showed up, okay, pulls up the tower and took like five of us in his limousine all to uh, his show out at the Brendan Byrne. We were allowed to go. Like in the middle of the ship, he's like, hey, can I take these guys? Yeah, sure, go ahead. It's rock and roll. They would let you do it. it was, so that was, I got to say, all the, all the guys at tower, all the bosses at tower were super duper cool about shit like that. Oh, you've got an opportunity to do this? Have at it, baby. So I was out of there, okay, at quarter to seven. Not even seven o'clock. I was like, quarter to seven. I don't want to be late for the 7.30 show. I want to be, you know, I hate being late. You know me. Okay, yeah, you yeah. know you know how I am about that. Yes, you <laughs> Yes, you do. 
Okay? I'd rather show up early and wait than late and run. Have to right. run for it. Okay? Right on. So, you know, that is one of those great memories. I have been to some great shows in my life. I really have. I have been very fortunate to see some incredibly classic shows. You know, the, I mean, I can't believe The Grateful Dead doing acoustic, uh, electric, acoustic, electric. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big Dead fan, but I'll tell you. Great show. Great show. That was the Dead, you know, and, you know, I've been, saw Bob Marley with Stanley Clark School Days opening. Come on, at the Garden in 78. Come on, man. How great a show is that? I know. There's schmutz. We've got... It's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, Passover. Yeah. We've got it's schmutz. Hair, rabbit hair. We have schmutz on our microphones. Hey, you know what? It's almost time for us to say goodbye. You know, the thing is, is because Lonnie Mac passed away, I had to push back all bunch of stuff. I have great stuff by the tubes. I have a fantastic tune. Um, I have... Um, um, now I can't remember the name of the tune. It's Glenn Campbell and Carl Jackson, who's like one of these banjo prodigy guys. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the songs, it's, it's on... Uh, so on the soundtrack to Deliverance, they do a great version of that. So I had to push that. And the other thing I had to push back again, I had promised to play it this week, but I had to push it back because it's Pesach. So right. instead of Bob Marley, I had, you know, Easy Skanking. I've been pushing that back show to show to show. But, of course, this week I'm going to do Modest Yahoo. Okay, you have to do a little Modest Excellent. Yahoo. And, of course, I wrote down, you know, my, my joke of the week. I told you this earlier. I'm very proud of myself for coming up with this one. Okay? I think that Modest Yahoo should come out with a CD doing all covers of pol- of the police of police songs, and it's going to be called Haggadah de Blanc. <clears throat> um, I'm glad you inoculated me against that one earlier on. <laughs> Thank you, I did. I had to inoculate it. you. But that's it. Yeah. Haggadah de Blanc. So there you go. I've got that. I'm going to send you my copy of the two minute Seder. Okay, yeah, it's, it's a one page Haggadah, but it's perfect for guys like that. Like two hours. We're going to sit here for two hours. I need, I need bread. Where's my bread? Right, right. I've, got one, I've got one that uh, my friend Robin sent to me. It's the two-minute Haggadah. The two-minute Seder. It's perfect. Perfect. It gets it all out of the way. You get all the questions. You get all your, your traditional Seder stuff. Okay? Why, do, you know, why, do, why do we recline? Because free people, free people are allowed to slouch. That's why. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> so I've got all of that. But we're going to finish it off with a little modest Yahoo today. As always, happy Pesach. Of course, from myself and Los George's Gramps Master Flash, my resident cantor, keeping our groove satin. Oh. There it is. Canter me, baby. As always, though, from me and George, it is aloha. Peace. Good night, Mom. Happy Pesach. Yeah.
Broadcasting from the heart of downtown Hollywood. This is SoFloRadio.com. <laughs> 